You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. Hey, Embassy. Uh, Megan gave me the opportunity to um, share with you what's on my heart, so I am going to relish that opportunity. Um, But first thing I want to do is I just want to pray. God, First, I want to thank you for the opportunity that I have just to share your word today. I want to thank you for the opportunities to to just know you more and to share my relationship with you and to share what you've been really speaking to me about lately. I pray that as I speak, that what is your word comes across, not necessarily what's my word, But I pray that your heart comes across, not my heart. And Holy Spirit, even I pray that you even speak things to people while I'm talking that aren't necessarily what I'm saying. But I give you free reign to move today. Yeah, Holy Spirit, just come. Father God, I pray over the people who who are watching this right now. And I say, Holy Spirit, we invite you into our houses. We invite you into our our lives. God, mess with what you need to mess with. If we're holding anything in a higher higher than you, God, show us, help us, move us forward in that direction so that we can be more humble and more opened your spirit and you're moving. Help us fall deeper in love with you. God, give us give us a deeper knowledge of what your love is and how it moves in our lives. Father God, expand our capacity for more of you so that we can show other people around us more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I'm just going to be kind of real and honest with you uh, today. Um, and hopefully I don't slip into an accent like I almost just did there. Um, I'm going to start in uh, Matthew 22. And I'm going to read it in, in the Passion Translation. Uh, it's the So what's going on here in this is the Pharisees and the Sadducees are trying to trap Jesus. Um, And so we're picking it up as a young lawyer who's a Pharisee um, decides to try and trap Jesus with a question. And he says, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus answered him, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. Contained within these commandments to love you, sorry, contained within these commandments to love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. Um, And so these are the the verses that I actually uh, take the term the law of love from. And the law of love basically says everything that you do should be based out of love. Um, If I'm going to, 
uh, if I'm going to worship God, it should be based out of because I love God, not for any other reason. We have uh, examples like this all over the Bible. We'll take this first one, for instance, to love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that's within you. And there are examples of people like this all over the Bible. And the great thing about this is none of those people were perfect. Even though they operated in this aspect of love, none of them were perfect. I look in, in Daniel. Um, we have this story of, of this amazing prophet who can interpret dreams and, and do all sorts of things. But he puts his relationship with God first. And even when the people of the day, when the, when the counselors of the king advise the king to create a law that makes praying evil and makes praying wrong, he still, he still stands up and prays and, said, and says, let's make this work. I'm going to pray three times a day because that's what my relationship with God is based out of. And I refuse to let, my, let man dictate my actions and my love towards God. And so this ends up sending Daniel in a precarious situation. Daniel ends up standing before the king and the king sobbing, saying, I wish I wouldn't, I wish I could take back this law that I've created that says that no one should worship any other god. And, and Daniel understands that because the king made the law and made the decree that the king has to follow through. And so Daniel finds himself being thrown in a den of lions because he's put his relationship with God first. He's put his passion, every passion of his heart, every energy of his being, and every thought that's in his mind. And he, because he's put that towards God, he finds himself in the lion's den. And God actually shuts up the lions and he ends up sleeping in there and coming out the next morning unharmed. So the king, even though he obeyed the law that he created, now is able to change the law and changes the law because of Daniel that says no one shall serve any god but the god of Daniel. And so we see this situation where Daniel actually gets to change the laws of the land because he has put his every passion of his heart, every thought in his mind, and every energy of his being towards God. And that's how he loved God. The same thing happens, and I, I, I think this is one of the most legit uh, stories of the Bible and one of the most boss ways uh, verses in the Bible. And it goes a little further in that um, in Daniel's three friends, Shadnach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they're in with the king. And the king's, who is a different king this time, and the king has made this image and says, you will bow down and worship this image. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't do it. And so what happens is the king sets them in front of him and says, I'm going to give you one last chance because I actually really like you guys and you guys have made, made my rule easy. And so he says, you are going to bow down and worship the statue we have set up. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say this in Daniel 3, 17, 18. And I love it. It's so boss. It says, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But, and I love this, even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty, 
that we won't serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. <laughs> Even if he doesn't. There's, there's a form of surrender in this that says, you know, even if God doesn't save me. So there are a lot of times, uh, so I, I kind of live, uh, some, I live, I live check to check sometimes. And sometimes I hear God telling me to do something that, that I have, makes me have to trust him. And I sit there and I go, do you know what? I'm going to obey God. First and foremost, I will obey God. And if I end up on the street, even if God doesn't come through for me and I can't pay rent, if I end up on the street, I still know that I did the right thing and that God will still take care of me. When I moved to, um, to Ontario, uh, I, was, I had this temporary uh, place to live and I had $2,000 in my account for uh, rent and damage deposit. First and last month's rent, which is how they do it in, uh, in Ontario. And... I'm in this worship service and God tells me to give my $2,000 for rent and first math last month's rent to the person who's leading worship. And I am like terrified. I'm like, hey God, um, you do realize that my t living t situation is like temporary until I find a place. And, and I hear God be like silent, like doesn't say anything. And I'm like, because I find generally when I can't hear God, I'm, <laughs> when I can't hear God, I, I haven't obeyed what he's told me last to do. And so I sit there and I'm like, okay, okay, God, <sighs> you know, I want confirmation for this. I said, if, if, if I'm going to give away and, and risk this much, which to me, uh, and still $2,000 to me is still a lot of money. Um, but if I'm going to risk this much, God, I need you to confirm it. And so I said, if I talk to her and she says that she's short money, then I'm going to, uh, I'll give it to her. And so I walked up to her and I'm like, so uh, I have a weird question for you. And, uh, and she's like, okay. And I'm like, Is, are you short money by any chance? And she looks at me and she's like, well, I did three uh, gigs, worship gigs. And they, none of the, and, this summer and they didn't pay me. Um, so, and, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm short about $2,000. And I'm like, come on, no, I need this $2,000. You weren't supposed to say that. You were supposed to be like, no, I'm fine. I'm great. I'm golden. Uh, and it actually forced me into a situation where now I'm confronted with confirmation of what I had told God. And so I'm like, okay, well, God's told me to give you $2,000 and to say that, and to, uh, and to tell you that your, that your shortages are now his, he's covering it. Um, and at that point in time, I made the decision that's like, okay, I will talk to the people I'm living with. And if I am forced to, to find a place, then God's going to provide. Um, and so that was my mentality in the end. And I'm not, and it was probably one of the hardest things I've done because I was trusting God that I would have a place to live at the end of the, at the end of the day. Um, but at this point in time, you have, like, you can't do that kind of thing without saying, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm in a new province. I don't know anybody. 
I don't have connections to help me out if I'm looking for a place to live. I need you, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. And at this, you have to have that mentality where you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, with every passion in your heart, with every, all the energy in your being, and with your, every thought in your mind. But if we go a little further along in this, we actually see Jesus say something a little crazy. And I believe he's quoting in Deuteronomy, but he says, but the second commandment is just as important. And it says, you must love your neighbor the same way you love yourself. Now, this statement is dual purpose. The first one is, we have to realize that everything that we do has to have a love component to it. If I'm, if I'm going to work, there has to be a love component to it. Your work is your mission field. Your work, when you go to work on a daily basis, those people are in relationship with you. Um, I, I work at a, a Scott Mission, a homeless shelter here in Toronto. And I go to work, and a couple of the people I work with aren't Christian. I'm lucky to work in a, in a Christian homeless shelter, so a majority of them are, but one of my bosses are not Christian. And she rides, she rides us pretty heavy, um, especially because um, we're very uh, prophetic. Our team is very prophetic-leaning. Uh, we have one lady who's like diehard spiritual warfare prophet kind of mentality. Um, one who's very much a teacher, but he's very prophetic lean to him. Like he gets words from God. Uh, and then you get me who I'm, a, I'm more pastoral lean. I'm more, but I'm very prophetic myself. And, and so she doesn't understand it. So, but we have to go in in such a way because she's our boss and Every time we go in, we've got, we now have this relationship with her where we have to go in saying, she's my boss. And if she tells me not to do something, I have to honor her in such a way that God honors her because I have to love my neighbor as I love myself. And if that means that she tells me not to do something, I don't do it unless God otherwise tells me that I have to do it because we have to obey God but more than we have to obey men. However, that doesn't mean we do not honor our authority. If God tells me to go pray for someone and she says, don't pray for them, I have to go to God and be like, God, this is what my authority is saying. This is what you're saying. You need to tell me how to do this in such a way and strategically so that I'm honoring my authority and I'm honoring you at the same time. Because the Bible says that we are to honor our authority. Even Jesus, when, he was, when, the, when they were trying to trip him up and they said, hey, here's a coin. Is it, do we, do we give it to God or do we give it to Caesar? And the, the answer that Jesus gives is so profound. He says, whose image is on the coin? And they said, it's Caesar's. They say, well, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, but give unto God that which is God's because we were made in the image of God. And so to give to Caesar that which is Caesar's, is Caesar wants his taxes, his image is on it. So give it to him. But you are made in the image of God, so give your heart and your life to God to worship your Lord, love the Lord your God with every fiber in your being, with all the energy in your being, with all the, the thoughts in your mind, and with every passion of your heart, because you were made in the image of God, so you should love yourself and love the people around you because they were also made in the image of God, but make sure that you give yourself to God. Um, that was a side trail. I don't know who that was for. Um, but 
we were, everything that we do should be based out of love. When we stop sinning, when we go to God and we're like, God, I have this problem in my life. Um, I'm going to use pornography because that's something that I dealt with personally. It's like, God, I struggle with, I've struggled with pornography and I can't get rid of it. When we ask God for help, he's going to help us because he loves us. But we also have to make the decision to say, no, I'm not going to touch that anymore because my lover is God. And as God is my lover, I don't want to hurt him anymore. I don't want to hurt him at all. And when we come with that mentality that God and our relationship with God is like a husband and wife relationship, because it is, if you look all through the Bible, you will find that God compares my relationship with him and, God, and Christ's relationship with the church as a husband and wife relationship. And if we look at that, we realize that that, that pornography use or that sin is actually affecting our relationship. Um, when I was in film school, they they actually adjusted the term pornography to not just dealing with 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 naked with naked people, but they they actually said pornography is anything that is not authentic. And so what they were saying was, and in acting, was says when I'm not authentic, and when I'm not being the the person who I am. That in itself is pornographic because it's not real. It's not authentic. Um, and that's, sorry, that's just kind of a, a, a weird uh, subtrail. But we need to be authentic in our relationship with God. We can have, when we sit there and we're like, hey, no to, um, uh, um, like, I, if I was to sit there and say, hey, you need to stop watching pornography, but I've got a porn- pornography problem and I have that, that, um, hypocrisy in my life we cannot live that way we cannot live that inauthentic life because the hypocrisy inside of us drives us deeper away from connection and all jesus wants is connection with us he wants us to love him he wants to love us he wants us to feel the love that we deserve because a lot of us don't understand how that works we don't understand how much jesus loves us when we read first corinthians 13 we're reading a love letter saying look this is who i am for you this is who i am i am kind i am patient i'm oh like mm, i'm just gonna read this here for you um in first corinthians 13 this is how Christ loves us. Love is large and incredibly impatient. It is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure's defeat, for it never gives up. Jesus never gave up for you. When, when Adam and Eve fell, God spent 6,000 years setting up a moment that Jesus could die to save us. And then he spent 2,000 years setting up a moment for you to accept him as your Lord and Savior because he loves you that much. Every moment in history leading up to this point has, has, has set the groundwork for you to be loved and for you to love. 
every scenario that God has brought for you is an opportunity for you to love more, love better, love healthier, and love stronger than you did yesterday. And so when I sit here in Matthew 22, and I say to love the Lord your God with every passion in your heart, with every energy in your being, with every thought in your mind, and that you are to love your neighbor as yourself, we are talking about actually fulfilling the call that God has for your life. Yes, God, yes, you are called to to make disciples. You are called and given the authority to cast out demons, raise the dead, um, preach the good news to the poor. You You have been called and anointed and commissioned to do this, but this comes out of love. It doesn't come out of a a desire for greatness because the Bible says that you who serve are those who are greatest in the kingdom. And if so, if you like, so if you want to be great, if that's the desire in your heart, learn humility, learn how to bring yourself under authority and honor the people above you and honor the people below you. This lady in my workplace, she's an amazing woman. She's not Christian, but she's an amazing woman and she's given her life for the homeless people in my, in my shelter. And to sit there and say, hey, this is what I need to do and I don't care what you think is so dishonoring and it's so not the heart of God for her because the Bible says that when we give, when we take care of the homeless and the orphan and the widow, we're actually taking care of God and we're actually moving forward in an area and really bringing God's heart to his people. And this lady has done that and to sit there and not honor the sacrifice that she has made in order to, for, these, for these people to have shelter even though she's not Christian, would destroy whatever entire influence God has in her life. Our job is to honor. Our job is to love well. At the end of my life, when I go to heaven and I have healed the sick and I have cast out demons and I have raised the dead, and I have made disciples. I don't want Jesus to say, like he said in so many, peop- in so many verses, have you learned to love? When Peter was talking to Jesus, and Jesus was like, do you love me? And Peter's like, of course I do. He's like, feed my sheep. And he's like, do you love me? Of course I do, feed my sheep. And a third time he said, do you love me? And Peter's like, You're Jesus. You know that I love you, that I would die for you. And Jesus comes back and says, feed my sheep. We have an opportunity to love all around us by feeding each other, by finding someone in need and helping them, by finding someone who it's their birthday and and buying them a present, giving them a card, Everything that we do should be done from the law of love. Everything. Father God, I just lift up these people to you. I lift up all of us from Embassy Church to you. And we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Teach us to love. Teach us your heart. Give me more of you. God, show me areas of my life where I'm not loving well. 
Help me to fix it. Help me to put you first. Help me to put your people first. Help me to love the people around me in such a way that they can't deny you. In your word, God, you said that they would know us by our love. They, they would know we were your disciples by our love. So God, show us how to love better. Show us pure love. Love free from selfish ambition. Show us your heart. I want to read the rest of 1 Corinthians 13 to you. In verse, uh, verse 8, it says, Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which ultimately will fade away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured, and I set away my childish ways. Learning to love is learning to be mature. Um, the Christians who are mature are the ones who know how to love well. And this doesn't mean being gushy and letting, saying, letting everything go. That's not love. The Bible says that whom the Lord loves, the Lord disciplines. So love doesn't always feel good. Love confronts, but it always confronts for connection. And it always confronts and leaves the person feeling better than they did before. That's what love is. When we're childish, we don't fight for love. We don't fight for connection. But we fight for our selfish ambitions, for greed, for lusts of the flesh, as the Bible calls them. But when we put away those childish things and we go after God and make God number one, then he can have his work in us. Then he can really develop himself in us. And so I just leave you with that thought today. Love the Lord your God with all the energy in your being, with all the passion in your heart, with every thought in your mind. And remember to love your neighbors as yourself. Love your friends as yourself. Even love your enemies and pray for them. All right? I love you. Have an amazing day. You're awesome. Love you guys. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.